I've already been texted by PJ and Kay this morning. They're so sweet, so encouraging, so grateful for them. Um, it's hard for me, and I hope you can understand, to just jump right into a message. I feel like I need to do a little uh, housekeeping, if you will, first, and I hope this will make sense to you. It just made total sense to me. First thing I want to say is thanks for showing up. <laughs> Pastor Dave's in Orlando for work, and he texted me last night, oh, maybe about 6.45, we were on our way to dinner after the service, and he said, so, did anybody show? <laughs> I laughed too, and I, I, I was driving, my wife, was, so I handed her the phone, and, and I, we texted back, was that tonight? <laughs> so we had, a, we had a few laughs. If, um, if you're visiting with us for the first time, or if you haven't popped in recently, we're coming off a very emotional time, very emotional weekend. Um, we said goodbye to our beloved senior pastor and our founding pastor, John Warhaus, and his lovely wife, Kay. In chatting with PJ last weekend after both services, um, he was just so pleased. He was blown away. He and Kay both just thought things went perfectly. So I think we did well. Pastor John and Kay just wanted me to extend a thank you to everybody here. Thank you so much on their behalf. Believe it or not, it's been nearly a year, I think about 10 months, since my wife and I first set foot here at The Rock. It's gone quickly. During that time, we have become acutely aware that there is quite a handful of people in this wonderful church that have been with Pastor John for 5, 10, 15, or 20 years. I've heard that a lot. It's nice to have you here. We've been with Pastor John for a long time. It's cute. I love that. It's a testimony to him and his ministry. So while following PJ and Kay to Oregon might be a bit more complex, I want you to know that I'll understand if you do. We thought about it too. There's another thing I really want to say thank you for. Whenever a church experiences a change at the senior pastor level, um, especially when that senior pastor was the founding pastor, it brings with it a lot of, the, a lot of emotions and a lot of questions. A dear friend of mine I've known for 30 plus years as a church consultant, Dr. Gary Reinecke, and, and uh, I don't want to bore you with all the church statistics, but it's challenging when, it, when, uh, when you transition from especially the founding pastor to somebody new. But during these past three or four months of transition, with all your emotions, with all of mine, with all your questions, curiosities, it is imperative that I take a moment to commend you. This church is amazing. You have accepted, you have loved, you have cared for, and you have encouraged my wife Terry and I and our girls, Chelsea and Joni, above and beyond. Absolutely above and beyond what we could have ever hoped or dreamed of. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Last July, August, I had finished my first year of seminary. I was starting my second year. um, And I was going to be 50 in November. I turned 50 last November. So it was a couple months prior to my 50th birthday. And my wife and I began to pray, knowing that God was doing something. We didn't know what. But we knew when. It was going to be around my 53rd to my 55th birthday. That was the box I put God into. God, I'm okay if you want to do something with me around 53 to 55. That made sense to me. And so we start praying. But the second thing that we prayed about, more importantly, was when you do what you're going to do, God, when I'm 53 to 55, um, not only God's timing, but, but the right fit. The right fit. 
And literally, we began praying that. God's timing and God's fit. And then Kendall Benson, some of you know him, some of you don't, Rob Selleck's brother-in-law. We've known each other for about six years. And um, he called me in October of last year. And uh, (laughs) he's like, hey, I I think this is a little ahead of your time frame, but would you consider talking to some of the people at The Rock? And I said, no, I wouldn't consider it. Um, I'm very happy. I like what I'm doing. Everything's cool. And you're not listening to 53 to 55. That's what I've been praying for. This call is at least three years too soon. So I told him I'd think about it. A couple weeks went by. We had bagels, and that began the process. And we showed up here in November or December, and, and God made it abundantly clear. To the degree that I can tell, this church fits us like a glove. I am so thankful. We love you guys, and we're so encouraged by you. Many of you have given us over the last few months cards. You've sent us emails or texts. And you've loved us and encouraged us in this season of change. Thank you so much. My wife asked me just about a week and a half, two weeks ago. She said, do you feel prayed for and loved by the people at The Rock? You know the answer to that. Unbelievable. We're so aware. It's so real. It's crazy. But if we're being honest with one another, I figure now is as good a time as any to register a small complaint. (laughs) Kind of having fun here. Back in May or June during my installation, I thought I was pretty clear that I really liked Hershey's with almonds. But I realized it was my mistake. I did not practice a very huge biblical principle. Does anybody know 2 Corinthians 9.6? He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He who sows generously shall also reap generously. So I bought you guys a box of Hershey's with almonds. I hope that's okay. I bought one for last night's service, I bought one for this morning's service, and I thought I'd buy one for you. Now there's only 36. So first come, first serve. If I can have an usher, somebody take these to the back table. If you rush out after service, you don't want to say hi to me because you need a candy bar, I'm not offended. So I'm sowing generously, hint, hint. Thank you, Mickey. Make sure you put them back there, Mickey. Somebody follow Mickey. While many of you have uh, lovingly reminded me that I have big shoes to fill, many of you have also emailed or texted these simple words, you have big feet. So sweet. Thank you so very much. I wished I could tell you exactly how this is all going to go without Pastor John and Kay, but on some level I just can't. And that's okay, right? But I'm going to tell you what I do know. Number one, I do know that the Lord is in control. The Rock Community Church is His church. Amen? He's asking me to trust Him because He's trustworthy. He's asking you to trust Him because He's trustworthy. Pastor John, Pastor Dave, Pastor Mark, we're merely, merely, merely under shepherds. We're simply called to follow the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's His. We fix our eyes upon Him. Does that make sense? I'm going to read for you. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, three things, let us lay aside every encumbrance, let us lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's our mantra. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus continually. We're just going to follow in Pastor John's footsteps, who we just followed in Christ's footsteps. Number two, I do know 
that the inspired, authoritative, and inerrant Word of God will continue to be preached week in and week out at the Rock Community Church. Amen? The third thing, I do know that the leaders of this amazing church will be praying without ceasing. That includes Pastor Dave and myself, the trustees, Mickey McDermott, as long as he didn't steal the candy. We're good, Mickey? The trustees, Mickey McDermott, James Morris, Brian Thompson, and Rob Selleck, and the elders, Russ Marzoff, Bruce Cook, and Doug Renault. This church is in good hands. These are good men. Number four, I do know that I will honor Pastor John and Kay every chance that I have. Because they deserve it. Because they will always be a part of this church. And because he's going to come back in December. <laughs> I want you to tell him what a good boy I've been. And lastly, I do know on a lighter note that we're going to try to love on them while they're in Oregon as well as we did when they were here in California. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to join me for a selfie. Okay? This is me bringing modern technology into the pulpit as best as I know how. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to take a picture. I did this last service. It turned out great. I have to go by here. To get, so everybody's got to wave, okay? We're going to wave. I already sent the 9 a.m. one to PJ and K after, between services. Okay, everybody wave. Ready? One, two, three. Yay! You guys are troopers. This is great. Oh, yeah, so we're going to take, I'm going to send those, and I, you know, I got a little map of Oregon for, or, yeah, Oregon and Washington for those guys in case they need a map. Anyway, silly stuff. Good stuff. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can gather. We pray that when we do, that you are pleased. We pray, Lord, that you continue to grow us in the faith, that we can become more like your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Pastor John and Kay. Thank you for getting them to Oregon safely. Thank you for their ministry over the years. We're so grateful. And Lord, we just lift up this church to you, and we trust you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. We've got a lot of ground to cover. We've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. So let me get you up to speed on what's going to happen in the next few months. We're going to be in the book of Psalms. Never preached through Psalms. I'm really excited. I hope you guys are too. We're going to be in Psalms through the end of November, early part of December. We're going to take some time to allow PJ and Kay to settle in, find out when PJ is going to come back in December, and that will kind of determine where we're going to end Psalms. Does that make sense? So we'll, see, we'll go from there. Needless to say, as many of you know, there's 150 psalms. We're not going to get through all 150. We're going to cover about 14 of them from now through the end of November, December-ish. One psalm each week, and we're going to start next week with Psalm 1. To follow, just in case you want to know, we're going to hit Psalm 6 and then Psalm 19. So we've got Psalm 1, Psalm 6, and Psalm 19. So our plan for today is we're going to do an overview of the psalms. We're going to actually cover <laughs> the book of psalms, all 150 chapters before it's over. Believe it or not, it's going to be cool. First thing, you probably got, I hope you got in your bulletin a handout, is that correct? Of a map. This is very helpful to understand in the history all the Old Testament books. If you notice how big Psalms is, Psalms covers, it's, it's, it's got the widest span. It's, it covers a thousand year period from the time of Moses around the 15th century BC to after the exile, post-exilic period around uh, 5th century B.C. 
And while I was showing you this, I don't know, I realized a couple weeks ago that there's like these blank notepads for those. Yeah, and they're in the back, in the center, against the wall, just so you know that these are very helpful. So I thought it was wise to print that for those of you who like taking notes. This is really cool stuff, so keep that handy. The final collection of the Psalms was the work of temple personnel probably around the 3rd century B.C. So, in our home study, if, if we're, we, let's say we finish the book of Matthew and we want to read the book of Galatians, right? One of the things that we should do in proper hermeneutics, does anybody know what I mean by hermeneutics? It's the practice or the discipline of interpretation. One of the healthiest things you can do if you're studying at home is to read a book in its entirety. The shorter ones, try to read two, three, four times in one sitting. Galatians, six chapters. Read all six chapters three or four times in a row. We spend two hours at a movie, spending an hour and a half, maybe two hours reading all of Matthew, maybe some of the longer books. Try to read the entire book in its, in its entirety. That's the first step in hermeneutics. So, um, we're not going to read all 150 Psalms this morning. <laughs> but we're going to get through it nonetheless. We just don't have time. That, that makes sense? The English word psalm comes from the Greek psalmoi, or the Hebrew word uh, mizmor, which means songs sung with musical accompaniment. In the 150 psalms of Scripture, the Holy Spirit has given us much more than a book of Israel's prayer and praise. Psalms is a cross-section of God's revelation to Israel and of Israel's response in faith to their Lord. If God's people before the incarnation of Christ could have such a faith in the Lord, witnessing to his greatness and his readiness to help, how much more should be true of his church today? We have a lot to learn from the Psalms. The book of Psalms can revolutionize our, day, our devotional life, our family life, the fellowship of the church, the witness of the church, and much, much more. They're unique, because not only in the Psalms is God speaking to His people, but the people do what? They speak to God. Through the Psalms, God encourages us to use the same language, the same honesty, the same vulnerability in our conversations with Him. A lot of us don't know how to converse with God. We know how God converses with us primarily through His Bible, but we need to learn how to converse with God. And the Psalms encourage the language on how to communicate with our Savior. Amen? They help us to recognize His faithful acts in our lives. They lead to hope. They help us to grow in our faith. They're expressions of frustration, impatience, anger, joy. Help us to balance the tension that we experience between promise and alienation. Is it just me, or do, I, or do you have moments of promise and moments of alienation and everything in between? The Psalms are full of doctrine. Things like the forgiveness of sins, the faithfulness of God, the sinfulness of all humanity, the appropriate conduct of believers. The Psalms also focus on the Messiah. The hope and fulfillment of all Israelite history and religion. The hope for all mankind to restore us to our proper place, which is worshipers of our Heavenly Father. At the core of the Psalms is the conviction that the center of life, the center of history, the center of all of creation is none other than Yahweh, God Himself. 
He is the great King over all. And the one to whom all things are subject. All things. If we cannot fully grasp who Yahweh is, then we cannot properly subject our lives to Him and worship Him appropriately. In both adversity and prosperity, the psalmist indicate a strong faith in God and a clear conception of His attributes. Who wrote the Psalms? It'll show up on the screen. David wrote 73 of them, just a little bit less than half that we know of. Asaph wrote 12, the sons of Korah 11, Solomon 2, Ethan. Moses wrote one. A lot of people don't realize that. Psalm 90. And there's 50 anonymous or what we call orphan psalms. Our very Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ Himself, knew the psalms. Luke 24:44 says this. Now He said to them, These are My words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which were written about Me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. In Matthew 27:46, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, He says, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? That is a direct quote from Psalm 22, verse 1. In His hour of need, Jesus quoted from the psalm. In Luke 23, 46, He said, Father, into Your hands I commit My spirit. That comes from Psalm 31, verse 5. The psalms were important to Christ. And as Christians, the psalms are important to us. It can revolutionize our life with our Savior. Paul also loved the Psalms. In Colossians 3.16, Paul says this, Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The Psalms are a source of personal inspiration and strength in dealing with the adversities of life. Within them, you find emotionally drenched complaints, humble confessions, desperate pleas, penitential prayers, screams of pain, yearnings of our deepest thoughts. But they're also a good step in our deliverance. They comfort the lonely, they strengthen the weary, they bind the brokenhearted. And we turn our eyes, they turn the eyes of the downcast back to their Creator, where they belong. And life again becomes bearable. As a whole, the Psalms are intended to help each of us to see how to pray and how to praise our Lord. How to pray to Him and how to praise Him. When? At all times. All the time. Here's what's cool. If you go to your, the Psalm 1, go to your intro or whatever, there should be an outline in most of your Bibles, I would presume. How ma- what's the outline? How many books is Psalms divided into? Does anybody see that? Say that again? Yeah, it should be five books, right? I think the outline should say book one, book two, book three, book four, and book five. Is that correct? Yeah, so we got it up here on the screen. This is what your outline should say. Most of your Bibles will probably say this, right? This is how we're going to get through all of Psalms this morning. Book one, chapter one through 41, is what's called book one. Chapter 41, if you look on the screen, is what's called a seam psalm. Seam like a seamstress. Chapter 72 is a seam psalm. It seems to the next book. Uh, Chapter 89 is a seam psalm chapter. 
Chapter 106 is the seam to book 4. So there's a seam psalm, and we're going to take a look at what's interesting about each of those psalms. Turn with me, if you will, to to chapter 41, the end of the seam psalm. Chapter 41. Verse 13, the last verse of this seam psalm says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. What's the next seam psalm? Chapter 72, right? So go to 72. Very similar. In verse 18, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel. Verse 19, Blessed be His glorious name forever. Amen and amen. That's 72. Let's go to the same Psalm, chapter 89. How does that end? Verse 52, I believe, is the last verse. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And if you leave to 106, let's see how that ends. Verse 48. Blessed be the Lord the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Each book closes with us to bless the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, all the time, in everything. Here's what's cool. Turn the last five chapters of all of Psalms. Psalms 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150. 146. What's the opening verse say in Psalm 146? Verse 1. What is that? Praise the Lord. What's the last verse in Psalm 146? What does it say? What's the last line? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to 147 and see if it changes. What's the very first line in 147? What's the last line in 147? Praise the Lord. Let's try 148. What's the first line in chapter 148? What's the last line in chapter chapter 148? 149. What's the first line in 149? Praise the Lord. What's the last line? And then if that doesn't crescendo enough, he wraps it up, and I'm going to read to you all of Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When are we to worship the Lord? All the time. Congratulations, you just got through 150 psalms in one short morning. We did well. The theme, needless to say, by a mile, the theme of psalms is to praise the Lord our King from everlasting to everlasting all the time. Psalms underscores the priority and the power of worship and praise in all of life. 
praise and worship in the face of unruly, gnarly situations invites God to establish His rule, His throne, in the midst of the turmoil we're facing. And that's what's cool when you understand the map about Psalms covering a thousand year period of time. It's all been seen, it's all been done, all bad, all the good, and everything in between over a thousand year period. Nothing we've gone through is going to be much different than what anybody would have went through during this thousand year period of time. God understands. Nonetheless, we are to praise Him. Amen? What does it mean to praise Him? Hebrews 13, verse 15 helps us to understand. It says, Let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. That's what it means to praise Him. Figure out what works for you to praise your Lord and King. The Hebrew word halal is translated praise, which means to boast in the Lord, in what He has done. So, halal, hallelujah, hallelujah is Yahweh, right? means to praise Yahweh. Hallelujah isn't cool, we scored a run. You know, cool, you know, whatever, I'm done with work. Hallelujah is praise Yahweh. Hallelujah, praise Yahweh. All right, here's where it gets really cool. English poetry, our poetry, relies on rhyme and rhythm for its impact. Therefore, it would make sense that it would be difficult to translate into another language, right? Makes sense. But Hebrew poetry can easily be translated because the major feature is, does anybody know what the major feature of Hebrew poetry is? Parallelism. Parallelism. And we're going to show you what that means. This is really cool. The basic unit in Hebrew poetry It takes a verse, and the first line makes a statement. It states something. And one or more following lines develops that thought. If you want to turn to Psalm 1, that will give us a perfect example. The very first verse in Psalm 1 gives you an idea of parallelism. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked... Right, walking, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That's parallelism. Let's 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 look at some types of parallelism. The first one is synonymous parallelism. Should be on the screen. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The second line basically repeats the idea of the first line. An example would be Psalm thirty-two one. You can look at that on your own time. The second line basically repeats the first, the idea of the first line. The second type type of parallelism is antithetical. The second line is opposite of the first line. The second line is opposite of the first line. An example is Psalm 32.10. The third type of parallelism is synthetic parallelism. The second line enriches or develops the first line. An example is Psalm 32.6. The fourth type is specifying parallelism. The second line makes the idea of the first line more specific. You can look at 32.2 for an example of that. And then lastly, intensifying parallelism is the second line restates the first line in a more potent way. Cool stuff. If you didn't get this down and you want to email me, I'll shoot you a copy. Piece of cake. 
It's always good to take notes. And the example of that is Psalm 32.4. Here's what's great about parallelism. It's how we teach our children. It's how we learn best. We give them an example. We give them more examples. We're really just teaching in parallelism. It's kind of cool. So one of the things I'm going to cha- I challenged both services uh, last night and, and, and this morning is we're going to be in Psalm 1, as you know. And so my encouragement, challenge is read Psalm 1 five days, five times a day, 25 times. There's six verses. This is not going to wipe out your schedule. Okay? It'll take you minutes to read through it six, uh, five times and just do that five days in a row. I'd love to see what God does with that. Okay? And so if you, if you understand parallelism, it helps you when reading the Psalms. C.S. Lewis, we've heard of him. C.S. Lewis says this, My enjoyment of the Psalms has been greatly increased lately. The point has been made before, but let me make it again. What an admirable thing it is in the divine economy that the sacred literature of the world would be entrusted to a people whose poetry depends largely on parallelism. Did you get all that? And that it should remain poetry in any language you translate it in. That's what's cool. It remains poetry in whatever language it's translated in because it's just a developing of a thought or an antithetical parallelism. David, as we're going to wrap this up here, taking away that we're to praise the Lord in all circumstances at all times, from everlasting to everlasting. In a book called Pray Like a Gourmet, David Brazel says this. He says, as a kid, I was taught that if you open the Bible in the middle, you'd probably land on the book of Psalms. One of my favorites, he says, is Psalm 23. In verse 5 of Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know how many times he goes on to say that I've read or recited the psalm without pondering what that line actually meant. But here is my take on it. When things are a bit tense, when life is not going at its best, when the potential for disaster is just around the corner, when your enemies are all around you and even staring you down, that is when God lays out the red checkered picnic cloth and says, oh, this is a nice place. Let's hang out here for a while. Just you and me. Amen? In closing our time together, I'm going to take us to Job. Job is just on the left side of Psalms. Go to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. Most of us know the story of Job, right? Is it a pretty story or not pretty story? Not a pretty story. He was decimated. In 19 verses he was decimated, right? When arguably, arguably none of us have lived a life like Job. That bad. We've, many of us have probably endured a lot of hardship. I don't know anybody's experienced the kind of hardship that Job has experienced. In verse 20 he says this. It says, Then Job arose... And he tore his robe, and he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he did what? He worshipped. Are you kidding me? There's a lot of things I might have done before that. 
Verse 21, He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And amazingly, verse 22, Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. We can do a lot of things with our mouth. James warns us that our, that our tongue is wicked. With it we praise God and with it we curse man. Boy, would it be used for praise and prayer at all times. What a great challenge, right? After last night's service, a lady came up to me and really, it was cool, man. She, she said, I've learned. She, I know her story. She's been through a lot of stuff. And she says, I praise God through all the hard stuff. I did. I don't know how I did it, but I did. She goes, you know what's been challenging for me? Praising Him in the good stuff. Anybody guilty of that besides me? And I reflected on that last night, and I was talking to my wife on the way home, and this is just for me. I don't know if this resonates for you. For me, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm golden with the Lord when things are bad. I try to be good with the Lord when things are good, but sometimes I just kind of forget about them. And for me, I, I, I think what came up for me when I was pondering this last night, it's almost like I don't want to remind God of how good things, about how good things are. Because if I do, then He'll go, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, we need to bring some hardship into your life. So if I just don't let Him know how thankful I am, maybe He'll just leave me alone. That's just me. I'm a worshiper. I love, love to worship. I'm getting better at it. And I'm thankful that I'm still continuing to grow in my worship to the Lord. Imagine what your life would be like if you were a worshiper in all circumstances. Imagine what your family would be like. Imagine what this church would be like. I'm reading a book right now, and I'm going to, we're actually, I I don't know where this is going to come up here moving forward. I'm reading a book right now called Churchless Why People Don't Go to Church. We are, if you don't know, we're in a post Christian society. Churches are declining. 98% of churches in North America are flat or declining. 2% grow by conversion growth. 2% of churches in North America grow by people coming to Christ. There's a lot of reasons for that. I don't have the time to get into that right now. But I think a big part of it is what Christians do in the church, how they use their tongue. And if we'd focus more of our time on praising God, reading His Word, encouraging one another, that that eliminates so many of the things that go on in a church that distract people from coming. And I'm not saying this church is like that. This is an amazing church. An amazing church. I'm so so into this book right now. I'm learning so much. And um, I think God has something for us in that somewhere down the road. We'll we'll figure it out. But um, anyway, it's good to be with you. I can see why PJ loves you guys so much. You love so well. It's so easy to love in return. And I say thank you. We're going to wrap up. I'm going to wrap up in prayer. And when we're done praying, there's a prayer team to my left, to your right. If you need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate to go up and ask the prayer team for whatever it is that you need. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for everything. We're so humbled and so blessed to call this our church home. Let me pray. Lord, teach us to praise You. Give us the strength to trust You 
so that we can praise you in all circumstances. Lord, may we be like Job that regardless of how hopeless things seem to be, that you are still worthy of our praise because of who you are, because of your attributes. You have so many things that we can boast about and praise you about. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen your church to do just that. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Thanks for coming.